In today's show, it's Tears, and it's Matt Smith, and we're talking small forwards. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Last week, myself and Matt, we did point guard tiers, we did shooting guard tiers. Today... We're doing small four tiers, power four tiers, center tiers. They will all come down the pipeline really, really soon. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. He's here. He's back. He's Matt Smith. And last time I know you guys complained that you didn't hear the sound. So, Matt Smith. Ah, Smitty. Welcome. Josh, good to be back. And, uh, yeah. Everyone wanted the uh, the sound drop played, so nice to have that back against my name. They did. Everyone, everyone had, it. and part of the reason, like just you know, behind the curtain, we'll peel it back, Wizard of Oz style. With the way that my setup is now, the guests to try and eliminate some of the static and feedback issues I was having, the guests can't hear the sound drops, so it leads to like, oh, do I talk now? Do I not talk now? So I didn't put it in. But me and Matt, we worked out a little plan. You can hear the sound; it's all sweet. Matt pretended like you heard it, but hey, we're not here to fool anyone, Matt. We're all very transparent in what we do. But Matt, Matt's sick as well. So if his voice is croaky, we're being transparent about that. So we're going to get through this as best we can, Matty. Um, we're talking small forwards. We don't need to talk about what tiers are. We do need to talk about who the guy is at number one, though, and it is Kevin Durant. There's no real argument. I see there are a lot of people, Matt, that are really hesitant to draft Kevin Durant. They're worried still about maybe he holds out, maybe he gets traded. Um, they're worried about injury, which I get. I'm way more worried about that than any of the other stuff. I still have him pretty high. Were you any? Were you close to having anyone in that same tier? So bumping Durant down or pushing someone higher? Um, I mean, Jason Tatum is is close. Um, I know you have Kevin Durant in your top five. I'm not quite there yet on him. I have him sort of in that six to ten sort of range. Um, but on a per game basis, Kevin Durant is a lot better than Jason Tatum. I do just worry about him missing games across the season. He's 34 years of age now and had some, um, you know, pretty bad injuries over the last couple of years. So um, on a per game basis, yes, I do like him in the top five, but maybe for a total value, I think he's um, yeah more in that second half of the first round. Um, in Roto, I have him a little bit higher than in a head-to-head format just because of the games cap ability to substitute some of his games. You know, I do, ha- I do have him at four in a head-to-head draft, but yeah, the guys I've got at five and six is you know, Embiid and Luca in that area, and I've got no problem with moving. Not that those guys have been particularly healthy either over the course of their careers. I know Doncic seems like he's healthy, but he missed a lot of games with ankle injuries last season. Um, so yeah, I've got no problem with any of those guys being there. I just think people, there are people who are like, I'm not taking Durant to you know, 10 or nine, and I feel like that's... Probably pushing it a little bit too far. Um, would you ever be able to make the argument, Matt, that you could take the guy in tier two here, Jason Tatum, ahead of Kevin Durant? Um, I mean, once again, a total game value. If you're looking at maybe Tatum plays 10, 12, 15 more games than Durant. So uh, 
potentially, but like I said, on a per game basis, I still think Kevin Durant is the much better player. And looking at their projections, I mean, points are pretty close. Tatum will hit more threes. Rebounds and assists are both close. Steals are both close. Kevin Durant slightly more blocks um, and that much better field goal percentage. So that's where he's he's getting the boost um, from the projections. But yeah, like I said, I've got Durant and Tatum both sort of in that sort of six to 10 range. Um, but yeah, we'll still take Kevin Durant um, first. Yeah, I would still take Durant first in, in pretty much every situation because, again, like I'll say all the time, like I, I, I do expect that Durant is more likely to miss time, but I don't know that. And I don't know that Tatum is going to stay healthy necessarily. And the upside of Durant with that extreme efficiency is just, it's just a bit higher, right? So they're not close enough for me to prioritize Tatum necessarily ahead of Durant in that situation. Um, I just, yeah, I don't think I would just, I wouldn't go that high. Like in a roto league, I really do like Tatum, but I, I like Durant just that little bit more in that situation. So they're two guys, they're first round players. Um, the third, there's a lot to start. The small forwards, Matt, there's just a lot of individuals sitting by themselves, twiddling their thumbs in tears, t- not tears, in tears by themselves. Paul George is another one of those. He sits in tier three on his own. People are very against Paul George, it feels, this season. They're super worried about injury and the return of Kawhi, the fact that he shot so poorly last season. He was still yeah, a top 15 player last season per game. The injuries it was weird. I'm. I know he hasn't played much for the Clippers. I know there's been a lot of injuries. I'm not actually worried about him getting hurt. I know he's older. I'm just not that worried. I'm a little bit worried. I mean, over the past three seasons, Paul George has only played in 50 percent mm-hmm. of the total amount of games, which is a massive concern, especially when you're drafting someone, you know, in that sort of 10 to 15 range. Um, you know, 32, 33 years of age. There's probably again another 10, 12, maybe 15 games that separate Jason Tatum and Paul George. So. Um, I mean, there's going to be a point in that second round where I'm going to have to take him and, you know, is it Paul George or Devin Booker? I think that's an interesting debate. Um, but, you know, yeah, once again, on the per game value, we have seen Paul George have, you know, top 10 and top eight seasons. So, yeah, it's a real tricky one. I, I think he will rest some games this season. He will get hurt. Everyone's going to miss games. Like, there's no one's going to play 82. I'm pretty confident unless you're Kevon Looney, and I don't think that'll happen. Hey, who do you reckon is the best chance to play 82 games this season if you had to pick one player? I've got one, mine in mind. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know why I think this, because, again, anyone can get injured at any point. I'll say... I was going to say Mikel Bridges, but the Suns... Oh, say Mikel Bridges. How about that? The the odds have to be against him. Like, he's done it for three years in a row, four years in a row. Surely, at some point, it has to catch up with him. That's why I wouldn't say him. I'd say Ivica Zubats is my one, and I don't know why. He's just the first name that came to mind. I think he's done an 82-game season before. He's the first name that comes to mind that would do it, but I don't actually care because, again, injuries can happen at any point. Paul George, again, the injuries, you're right, Matt, but they're just weird things. It's not a persistent... Um, oh my God, this guy's knee is wrecked and it's constantly hurt. It's like he tore an elbow ligament. Cool, never happened before. He hurt his shoulder. Cool, it was completely fine last season. Like, these aren't things that replicate. Is he more prone to hurting his arm? I don't, I don't know why he would be. Uh, it seems like, again, there's a lot of flukiness involved there. Maybe, maybe he gets hurt again. i got no idea. And I'm sure he does miss some time, but I just don't, nothing that I go in there and go, oh, this is like Derek Rose's ankle. Well, this is like Porzingis and his knee, um, where they're going to have to maintain his health by limiting him somewhat, because I don't think they will. There will just be if things come up. So uh, we'll, we'll see. 
and I'm just looking through the projections that and out of the top 188 players, mm. you haven't projected anyone to play any more than 75 games. No. There's, so I, that's there's, shows a level of confidence. Yeah, look, even guys like Mikael Bridges, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna project anyone for 82 because yes, he, he's been great and he's stayed healthy. But is that because of something magical that he's doing? Like is he magically avoiding injury? Like is, is everything just completely impervious on him? Like, no, it's not. And that's the same with anybody. Like, Looney, a like guy that missed, you know, played like 30 games, I think, in one of a year of his career, and he played all 82 last season. Was that luck? Was it good management? Did he figure out the secret? No, he didn't. It was just something that happened. So it's, I think it's really disingenuous to project that someone is going to play you know, 81, 82 games. Because it's, you know, it's, it's a coin flip, really. We just don't know how that stuff's going to happen. But I do, like, unlike Paul George, I have worries with this guy because it's persistent lower body injuries for Jimmy Butler. Every year, there is something on his lower body that seems to be a problem. It's not as fluky. Now, he had that tailbone issue last season, which was just a, a random fall. But there's always there's, there's persistent toe issues that he's had. He's had some knee problems. He's had some ankle problems. There's always something on the lower body, which is where when it's recurrent lower body stuff, I get a little bit more concerned. Jimmy Butler's he's had 11 seasons in his career. He's only played more than 70 games twice mm -hmm. in 11 seasons. And the last time was about so, eight years ago, I think. I think so. Yeah. So, like, if if you are going into a draft and you're picking Jimmy Butler, you can't then have a cry halfway through the season because he's sitting on your eye. Like, you know what you are getting when you draft Jimmy Butler. So, yep. yes, the per game value is great, but he's probably playing, what, 55 to 60 games maybe? Yeah, he's, he's, there's, there's just something with the way that he plays and the wear and tear on his lower body that something happens. It's just, it, it might not, he might be able to get through the season, but there are plenty of other guys. Like I think I'd feel more confident in saying that someone like Porzingis is going to play more games than Jimmy Butler. I, I don't know why that is. I'm just very, Butler just misses so much time consistently and, and it's a lot of wear and tear sort of stuff with him as well. Um, but in saying all that, Matt, we've got him here, should have mentioned he's sitting in tier four. In a lot of the mock drafts I'm doing, he's falling like a ton. Like in the 40s, he's going sometimes. And that's getting to a stage where you go, that, that's, that's too far. I, I do expect somewhat of a drop-off in what he does. He was really fueling a lot of what he did with really high steal numbers last season at times as well, which can be variable year to year. But once he starts falling into that third round, I, it's it's getting too far down the list for me. So to, do you take Jimmy Butler or Bradley Beal? Um, hmm. I... Ooh. I think it depends a little bit on what what I'm looking for on my squad, but it's probably Butler. I have more confidence in Beal and his health, but it's probably Butler. But Jesus, so, but that, that's close. Butler or Drew, Drew Holiday? Hmm. That, that'd be Butler for me. Okay, I'm taking Beal and Holiday over Butler. Okay, so you'd be one of those people who are letting him slide into the 40s. Yeah. Okay. I, I want guys who are playing games. Simple as that. Yeah, and, and like, Butler's one of those guys I am least confident in playing. That's just that is true. Like I said in one of the others, he's like we are going to get injuries throughout the season. That's inevitable. It's going to happen. One thing we can guarantee you are going to get injuries. So why come into a season taking Jimmy Butler at pick thirty when you know he's going to miss potentially twenty five to thirty games? It's just going to be so much of a hit to your team. Yeah, that's that's part of the issue with someone. Yeah, with, with someone like Kawhi, who we're going to talk about in the power forward tier, he's going to be in that list, guys. So don't, don't worry, he's in that list. We have to sort of split guys up somehow. Um, 
yeah, you, when you know there's already sort of a cap on, on what they do. That it does lead to yeah, some interesting draft decisions. We'll get back with tier five in just a second. Before we do that, I can tell you guys that Bet Online is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Week two odds for the NFL are up over there, and you can go. Check those out. They've got the Vikings as two-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Eagles. After they beat the Packers, that seems pretty crazy, but you can go and have a look at that at betonline.net, including all the matchups, news, and podcasts. And BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, Boxing, and Golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Tier 5, it's another man sitting on his own, just being a lonely boy. That is Chris Middleton in Tier 5. Now, Middleton does have an injury. We expect him to miss some part of the beginning of the season. This guy has been rock solid, although he did drop some of his shooting numbers a little bit last season. He is falling. I've seen him fall into the 50s in drafts. I guess people people do get scared. They do it happened with a, in a mock I was in the other day with Levine getting an injured tag next to him. So he fell into like the 60s, I think, because people get really scared of that. Um... I'm not, I'm going to use an, an analogy or it's this situation feels analogous to Pascal Siakam last season where you worried because you know he misses the start of the season, but it might be two weeks and it's not a lower body thing where there's going to be a significant ramp up or a risk of a re-injury through wear and tear on it necessarily. It is a wrist issue. So I'm okay with drafting Middleton sort of around his normal zone, Matt. Yeah, so am I. And like you said, the wrist issue, so it's not a lower... Um body in injury so he can still do his conditioning and training camp um left wrist as well so i can still shoot with his right hopefully um so i'm pretty comfortable yeah taking chris where he would normally be drafted and that's what probably late third early fourth round i think that's a pretty good spot for him you can get him in fourth round in most situations and i think that's really really good value to get him there now finally we're in tier six and there are multiple players here and there will be some controversy i think with a couple of these guys here well there's only two of them so with i think both of them i think we could make an argument that people will think DeMar DeRozan in tier six is too low. I think what DeRozan did last season was almost absolute, well, not almost, was best case scenario for what he was able to do. Like he was shooting at such a high level. He did that with a large stretch where Lonzo Ball was out. He's probably still going to remain out. A uh, stretch where Zach Levine was out as well. Um, Caruso was out and he put together these big numbers. And towards the end of the year, when players filtered back in, not Lonzo, um, his numbers started to drop back down. Now, he's pre-ranked really, really high. I, I'm just never going to end up with him on my team if he's getting drafted at pick 20, which he is in a lot of spots. I have very little confidence in him repeating what he did. Um, I do a little bit, and I think you're correct in saying that we could have bumped DeRozan up because mm-hmm. his big weakness is his three-point shooting, and we know that that's the easiest category to make up later in drafts and off the waiver wire. So I think we need to um, let him off the hook there a little bit, but for a guy that can pretty much put up 25, 5, and 5 a night on awesome efficiency, like that's really dangerous. Um, and Desmond Bain, a lot of people were upset with with you, Josh, in particular, that you didn't have him in the shooting guard tiers. But, um, yeah, I mean, he posted was, was posting top 30 at, at some stage um, late last season. So I'm not sure I want to draft him inside the top 50 just because I can find those steals and threes a little later in the draft. But... I think he'll definitely end up as a top 50 player come the end of the season. I'm not as convinced anymore with Bain, to be honest. Like, I, I know I took him, 
I don't know what it was, end of the fourth round, start of the fifth in the draft the other day, and I probably shouldn't have. Um, like you just talked about, his value a lot lies in threes, and I'm just shit scared of Dylan Brooks taking all the shots away. They played 150 minutes together, him, Brooks, and Morant, and in those games, Bain, or in those minutes, Bain had a usage of like 17, so like well below average, because he just never saw the ball, because Morant and Brooks were just trading shots back and forth. I think Brooks was like 26 usage or something in that time, and the reason he was able to ascend so much last season was the fact that he was able to jump into that starting line up ahead of Dylan Brooks and establish himself really early. Um, I, I just, I'm a little worried about it. And yeah, it's not like he's going to be a high assist or high rebound guy. Um, I probably with this, uh, at least one of the guys in tier seven, I would probably draft ahead of Desmond Bain at this point, but I, I can understand that argument. If you're confident that he's going to be top 50, then he, he is in this area, but yeah, I would clearly have Demar ahead of him personally. And I probably would have someone in the next tier. Like are you worried about that? trio combination for Memphis? Um, a little bit, a little bit. But again, with, with Jaron Jackson That's Jr. True. out, maybe maybe that, you know, helps Bain out, particularly over the first couple of months or however long, you know, Jackson is out for. So swings and, rounds are, uh, swings and roundabouts are a little bit there and some some pros and cons and a pretty good debate. And and yeah, um, the two guys in, in tier seven, if you want to flick across to the next tier, Josh, I mean, Brandon Ingram, I'm assuming he's the guy you're talking about, and he is, um, and potentially, yeah, can move him up into into that next tier. And he's a he's a really good player, and like I said, another guy who can go 25 and fight on five on any given night. Yeah, look, I'm have a little bit of a concern with fitting in with CJ and Zion. I do think he will slot in to be the one B or the number two with Zion, and CJ moves that third role. But much like the Dylan Brooks concern, what if CJ just said, no, 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 I'm I'm taking these shots, like. Does Brandon Ingram sit back a bit? And he's so low value in um, steals and blocks that yeah, a drop in usage, a drop in scoring can really hurt what he does. So while he was really good, he was stro- super strong. The Zion factor, it's such a massive X factor because Zion's a big usage, big guy that handles the ball um, and will run offense. And how do those other two slide in behind? So I get there is some hesitancy with Ingram. Um, because I, I don't know what's going to happen with that group. So that, that that gives me an element of worry. So it's not egregious, I think, to have him here, but I probably would slide him ahead of Bain. Yep. No, fair enough. And I think Zion's going to have a bigger hit on someone else who we'll talk about in a couple of tiers' time. Interesting. We'll get to that really soon. Um, we've got OG Ananobi and Larry Markin in this tier. Now, Larry Markin is still ranked outside the top 100 on sites. That is going to change significantly. Uh, I don't care that he's playing well at Eurobasket. He is playing well. I don't care. It's more the fact that he's in Utah now and he is going to play one to two more minutes and probably get three to four, five percentage points more usage and maybe go back to being a 20 and eight sort of a player that he was in Chicago. Now, much like Ingram, there's no steals and blocks to mention. He also doesn't get assists, but he will hit a lot more threes than what Ingram does. And I just think he's in prime position to have one of the best... I don't think he's a great player, but he's in prime position to have one of the best years of his career. And you probably don't need to draft him here, Matt. No, you shouldn't you shouldn't draft him here. If you can get him in the you know, 80, 90, 100 range, and then that's a really good spot. But yeah, 25 years of age, hopefully coming into his prime now. I still have an issue taking big men who don't block shots, but um, the scoring boost, um, yeah, is, is important here. And OG and Obi, um, once again, really nice sort of wing player. Has dropped off the last year or two as well, where there was a, a time there where he was sort of a top 40, top 50 player. Um, but that's come back a bit now. But the steals and threes, um, yeah, are handy. But um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a nice solid pick as well. 
Yeah, he's a guy that we had, he had. We thought he had a big opportunity last season. Didn't really take it as much as we thought. Maybe is behind Scotty Barnes, or probably is behind Scotty Barnes in the pecking order offensively now. So he's solid there. I'm not sure that there isn't much. I still really like him as a player. I'm not sure that the upside's particularly high. In fact, I would consider one to two of the guys in the next tier, which is just the next tier is an absolute mishmash of guys because Swarford's a weird position. We got those individual guys sort of split early on and then there's a bunch of these players and then it gets then it gets pretty rough and we're talking about some really sort of not great guys later on it's not an easy position to um to fill and we're in some really weird tier here we might as well just talk about it right now and it is tier eight Calden Johnson Franz Wagner Buddy Heald Mikhail Bridges Magaporta Jr and Gordon Haywood there's a lot of different options here. Like Heald, there's uncertainty with trade. Gordon Haywood, you can get him. I've got him in every mock base or he goes around 110. Like he's way later than this, but the value here is probably in this area. Porter, who knows? Like who knows what Michael Porter is going to provide. Um, Wagner hurt his ankle in Eurobasket. I believe he is okay, even though there was initial some worrying reports, but he's back practicing already. So that's good news. And Keldon Johnson's you know, taking a big step forward. Perhaps, likely, maybe, but who knows? With the Spurs this season, we a big big usage jump. So there's just a bunch of really different guys there. Who's the safest out of that group? Question. I mean, it, probably Mikel Bridges in mm-hmm. terms of safe, in terms of, yes, he's going to play. Yes, he's got a really nice, well-rounded game. Probably a little bit better suited for Rota than head-to-head, but you're paying for his efficiency as well. Um, I mean, Buddy Hield is is really interesting. Like, if he continues to do what he did um, at the end of last season with the paces, and somehow he was handing out like five assists per game, yep. which was don't know where that really, came from, which was really weird. Um, Keldon Johnson scorer, but we know that the um, lack of assists, steals, and blocks, you know, are a worry. Um, Franz Wagner again, probably more of a roto style of game, but. You know, yeah, for, for like me who goes point guards and centers early on, I'm probably going to have to go with with maybe one or two of these guys in this range just to fill out my starting roster. The interesting thing about this, I, I agree that Bridges is the safest guy, but outside of maybe Heald, I think he's got the lowest upside out of mm. this group. Like, I, I could... I can easily make an argument for Johnson to be top 50. I could easily make an argument for Wagner to jump up to be top 50. I could easily, he would maybe not. Maga Porter Jr. might be top 40. Like there's an argument to be made there. Gordon Haywood, without Miles Bridges, like Haywood might see four or five percentage point usage jump. And if he plays 65 games, that he's been a top 50 guy before. He's been a top 20 guy before, a top 25 guy before. He's not that player anymore, but it's not, outrageous to say that you know, he's there is you know it's a 2% chance to get there. I just don't think with the way the Suns are currently constructed the bridges outside of you know multiple injuries say Paul and Booker are out then he has to take on a larger load which changes the calculations for anybody. I just don't see any real massive growth for him in that in that offense or, or on that team. Um Porter he was going really early last year Matt and that was as I've mentioned on other shows you know, Jamal Murray was out. So we don't think he's got that same upside this season, even if we we thought he might have been top 30-ish last season because Jamal Murray is back. So he's not going to have that level of upside, even if his back is healthy. Are, are you interested in taking a shot at him? Once again, it depends on the range. If he falls to 100, yes. At sort of 60, 70, probably not. Like I'd, I'd much prefer to take Brandon Ingram over him, as we mentioned before, and... Like I said, it depends probably what I need in this range and how safe I've played early on. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put Michael Porter Jr. with 
an Embiid and a Kawhi and a maybe a Shea and these sort of players who I expect to miss, you know, 15, 20, 25 games across the season. So it's a lot to do with how, you know, yeah, I construct my roster, but he's not someone I'm sort of circling at 70 or 80 and, oh, yeah, I must get Michael Porter Jr. because he's going to have a top 30 season. You know, yes, he could be top 50 on per game value, but he could play 50 games as well. So, um, yeah, he's he's a tough one. And, and like I said, Mikel Bridges was was top 30 or 40 a couple of years ago, but hasn't sort of um, increased his game. And, and Gordon Hayward, we know he can put up top 50 value, but he always gets injured as well. So he's a really tough one to to sort of work out um, where he's going to be drafted. He had a really bad ankle injury, like a grade three ankle sprain last season. I think that also involved some bone chipping uh, with the ligament pulling off. I'm not 100% sure on that. Pretty sure that was the case though. So that yeah cost him way more time than expected. And it's always something with his legs. And that's again, where we have some problems and you know, we're going to get to tier nine now. Like, one of these guys in tier nine, I probably would take ahead of Gordon Hayward, even if I am way down on his upside this season. And that's Tobias Harris. So he's boring as, but with Harden, Maxi, Embiid, he's probably relegated to the fourth offensive option. He doesn't get steals or blocks. He doesn't get assists. He's not a great rebounder. Um, I, I just, I, he's just like even more of a fart sound than he's been in previous seasons, even though he's probably more secure than say Gordon Haywood or even Michael Porter or even Buddy Hield with trade uncertainty. He's just, the upside, I just don't see how it gets any better. No, it doesn't. It only gets worse. He's just ticked over 30. So you'd think the decline has started, uh, but he's always been a, a boring and overrated fantasy player. And particularly for head to head, like he, what category does he help you win? None. No, no, he's like, he, yeah, when he was a 20 point per game scorer, that was really useful, but I don't think he's going to be that anymore. And in your projections, there's not, oh, sorry, there's one. He's just above average in rebounds. Every other category, he's, yeah, just slightly a negative contributor. Yep, that, sound, that sounds about right to me. And what about Herb Jones, who's in this tier? Honestly, really, do, basically the exact opposite of what Tobias Harris is. He gets, gets it done on steals and blocks and no usage. I. It's just not that interesting to me as a fantasy. Look, the steals are really good. The blocks are useful. Is there enough upside in his minutes increasing from last season with Zion returning? Probably not. I think he probably hovers around the same. Yes, the steals, I'm always wary of guys putting up big, big steal numbers, thinking they can decrease. And I mentioned this in a show the other day, and someone said, oh, I think he's more likely to increase to you know, 2.3 steals versus dropping down. I just don't think that's a realistic... I know he's really good at it, but yeah, it's... It is a low-volume variable category that if he has a three-game week versus a four-game week, then he's not actually helping you that much in that area. And if you're relying heavily on that category, it's just a weird category to really um, have it as your number one thing to rely upon. And it means values can be just all over the shop with those sort of uh, low-volume numbers. And he can get steals later on in the draft. So Herb, like you said, gets a really big boost because of his steal rate here, but you might prefer someone like Marcus Smart and Jalen Suggs, you know, potentially even Pat Beverly for the first, um, you know, maybe month or a couple of months of the season. And some of the other guys who can get steals, not to that same level um, as um, Jones. I mean, Gary Trent is another one, but some of these guys offer a little bit more elsewhere, whether it be, you know, threes or maybe some assists from Jalen Suggs and Marcus Smart. So, um, yeah, just be a little bit careful about, you know, where you're targeting Herb Jones and, and yeah, obviously be mindful that his steals are as, 
are his um, bread and butter. He's one of those guys that the ranking numbers always inflate, especially if you're including turnovers. And if you're looking at the fact that he basically didn't play or didn't miss any games last season, he was like a top 48 or top top 50 player, you know, total value, nine cat numbers. And like, it's insane to even consider him in that area. But people look at that guy oh, and I'll get him in round six or round seven. And to me, that would be a total waste of that sort of a pick. Um, that's why he's down here. Now, this other guy probably would have ahead of Herb Jones if he wasn't injured heading into the season at Tier 10. That is Bogdan Bogdanovich. He has that knee problem. I do expect him to miss a little bit of time. He's had this knee issue or a, or knee issues for the last couple of years. So I'm a little bit worried about him. In fact, in most situations, Matt, I, I probably just pass over him. Yeah, I think he's probably going to go undrafted in, um, in standard leagues in particular. So, yeah, he's a guy to watch come the first four, six, eight weeks of the season, whatever it might be. And he might be a useful um, guy to pick up off the waiver wire once he does get up to speed. Um, we think that the Hawks will probably spit, uh, split sorry, um, DeJounte Murray. And it's DeJounte, not Deontay. I got pulled up on that, Josh. So someone was very unhappy with me for how I pronounced Murray's name. Um, and Trey Young. So they'll both get, um, you know, stagger their minutes. So probably at least one of them's on court at all times. So that might limit Bogdan a little bit in terms of his big games, but hopefully he can just provide a little bit of consistency in some of the scoring assists, threes, um, steal numbers. Not a bad um, yeah guy to, to pick if you need a, a shooting guard or small forward off the waiver wire. He's a really good scorer as well. They did lose Kevin Herter too, so it's not that DeJounte is just getting you know, pushed into that group. There is some uh, guys that have moved on. Um, they had Lou Williams getting rotation minutes last season as well, and he's not going to be there. So there is a role for him. It would just need him to be healthy. Now, the next group is a bunch of interesting players. By interesting, I mean annoying. Tier 11, it's Sadiq Bay, It's Andrew Wiggins. It's Josh Hart. Bay was doing things that he really shouldn't do last season in terms of, you know, taking... Dropping 50. Yeah, he probably shouldn't do that. He's probably not going to do that too often, but just like too much self-creation stuff. He's... Um, shooting was horrific early on. It did improve later on the season. His two-point finishing is really bad. They were getting him to handle the ball a lot. And I just think the addition of Jaden Ivey, um, yes, Jeremy Grant is gone, but I just think that we sort of saw Sadiq try to do that. It didn't work. I think he's going to go back to more of a spot-up sort of a player. I'm just not sure if the upside's actually there for him to be picked any higher than this. Wiggins, free throws are a massive concern. I do wonder, Matt, if this you know, epiphany from him eight years into an NBA career that if he tries, he can get more rebounds, sticks in the regular season versus just the NBA finals. Because he actually said that out loud, like, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize it was that easy to get rebounds. You just have to go for them. Like, imagine saying that out loud. Anyway, that, he, he did say that. And does that stick? Because if he gets six rebounds instead of four, man, then he's higher than this. And then Josh Hart, I don't know. Now, I'll let you talk about the other two in a second, but Josh Hart, a good friend of this show, Jared Johnson from Roto World, is really big on Josh Hart this season. He reckons he's got like a top 70 floor. I don't see that at all. Um, I don't think he's going to start for this Portland team. I think a lot of what he did last season was really context-specific in New Orleans, without Zion, in Portland, without Dame, without CJ, and then without Simons for a bit as well. And I just don't think that's going to be how things go this season. So who are they starting at the three then, the Trailblazers? Nasir Little. I think. Ooh, really? I think so. I just think his defensive ability, he's got more size there as well. Um, that's what I, it, it might be Josh Hart. I, I, Little was starting there before he hurt his shoulder last year as well. Okay. But then if that's the case, then doesn't that help Hart out? Because he can be like everything. Like he can be a Will Barton, like what he was to Denver. Josh Hart can, 
can run the offense, can score, can get some rebounds, can hit some threes. Like otherwise, he's playing next to Lillard and um, Simons and Nurkic and maybe not getting many touches. Yeah, but I think it also just caps the upside value in terms of minutes. Um, I, I don't think he's going to play like 32 a night. I think he's going to be more like 28. I don't actually know what I've got him projected at. I should have a look at that. Um, I've got 29. him at 29. Yeah, so... Yeah. <clears throat> and there will be Gary Payton in that backcourt as well that, that was get minutes. He'll get minutes back up at the three as, uh, for sure. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just not as high. Look, he was great last season, Josh Hart. I, I just don't see what he did last season as being really replicable at all. But I, I could easily be wrong um, on that. I'm just, I just not, don't see it. Yeah, I'm I'm somewhere in between, between, was it you and Jared? Like, yeah, I don't Jared, think he's going to yeah. be top 70 or top 80, and I don't think he's going to be outside the top 200. Like, I'm... I'm, I'm interested, put okay. it that way. So we'll have a look at training camp and see how preseason goes. Right now, I would probably draft him, you know, in the in the last one or two picks of a standard league just to have him on my roster, just to see how it plays out, like I said. But, um, I mean, it's 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 a really good good debate and we'll, we'll know more over the next few weeks. This is, you know, with, with Hart, right? He played, well, in the season before last, he had a usage of 14% played 29 minutes, scored nine points. Last season, he took his two-point percentage from 59 to over 60. In the last 25 games of last season, he had a usage of 22. He played 34 minutes a night. These are all things that he's just never done before. And I'm, I'm just not sure that, given the weird circumstances in which he was doing it, I don't want to like bank, like bank I don't want to bank on him playing 34 minutes with 23, 22 usage and shooting over 60% from two, which is what he was doing last season. Um, and also averaging like four assists per game when he'd never been remotely close to that number. He could, but there's a lot of things that all sort of randomly happened last season and I'm, maybe, maybe they stick. I don't know. He's just not someone that I'm believing in. But anyway, that's a lot of time on Josh Hart. The last tier, there's three guys here who... I'm not even sure they should be drafted. I, I don't mind Caleb Barton as a last-round pick because there is a gigantic, massive opening in Miami at power forward, and maybe he gets those minutes. But Dort, I think we've seen what he does. Mm-hmm. Jaden McDaniels, he'd need to become like a 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks guy, I think, to return value, and, and he hasn't done that so far. So that's just taking it like, hey, may, maybe he does it, maybe he doesn't. But I, I don't know. So I think the... The upside for Martin, like McDaniels probably plays two to three more minutes. Dort probably plays the same. Martin can actually really jump up from what he did last season, given that role. But I'm just not that interested. Obviously, it's tier 12. I'm just not interested in those guys. Yeah, other than that's fair enough. And I just sort of had to round out the top, sort of 130, 140, 150 guys. And, and um, yeah, put some guys in here. And Caleb Martin, like you said, there's that opening at, at small forward or power forward, depending on how the the Heat play it with um, with Jimmy Butler as well. But a nice sort of threes and steals guy, um, a little bit of a Mikael Bridges type of game, but obviously a lot cheaper. And yeah, I agree that McDaniel's is going to need to really boost his um, steals and blocks to have value. I mean, he's not going to get any rebounds now with Gobert and Towns nope. there. But um, yeah, another guy to, to watch through training camp and, and Lou Dort, you know, some points and threes, but. That's about it, and you can find them off the waiver wire pretty easily. If I'm going to talk about Josh Hart having big jumps in percentages, I, I should talk about Martin because he went from 28% three-point shooter to a 40% three-point shooter. 
So maybe that doesn't continue, then he offers absolutely nothing. So, yeah, but this is a guy that you would look at as the last last pick, you know, pick 150 and see what happens. Like, he's in that group of guys that I would have a look at in that area, but nothing nothing too much more than that, Matt. That'll do us for small forward tiers today. Um, let everyone know where they can go and uh, find you on Twitter. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at S-Man Sports, and we'll be back to do power forwards and centers soon. We will. Make sure you're checking those out, Matt. Thank you again. Thanks, Josh. All right, and that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.